1: If you're listening to this show, you already know that there's no better way to understand what happened in a Civil War battle, either intellectually or emotionally, than to visit the battlefield. Or for a truly immersive experience, to spend a week or more touring one after another in chronological order to see how the war evolved. That's something I do each year in connection with Stephen Ambrose historical tours, and I'd like to bring all of you along. But since we can't all fit in the bus together. I'll take you tonight on a virtual tour of this hallowed ground. Join us for a look at the battlefields and a look behind the scenes at historical tourism tonight on Civil War Talk Radio.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
2: Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to G at ECU. Dot E-D-U. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio.
1: And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you on a beautiful evening in May 2017, from the third floor of the Brewster Building on the campus of East Carolina University. But, as always, not representing the university or speaking for it or otherwise, excuse me, speaking for anyone other than myself. Not even speaking for our guest tonight. Uh, Our scheduled guest, Gary Cross, licensed battlefield guide from Gettysburg, is unable to join us this evening. So, we will be going on a virtual talking tour of this hallowed ground, talking about some of the battlefields of Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania and uh, what the experience is like going to visit them in a uh, group tour setting with me as the historian telling you what I know what you may already know. So we'll get to that in a moment First things first, uh, the Year of a thousand likes proceeds. The count is now up to 883 likes for the Facebook page of Impediments of War, the Civil War talk radio page. People are liking the show. Impediments of War is the Facebook page. Please uh, feel free to like it. We'll get up to a thousand before the end of the calendar year. It's the end of the academic year here at East Carolina University. The weather is nice. The students are just about done with final exams one more day and commencement is on Friday. People are putting on their gowns and posing in front of the fountain or in front of the pirate statue or other places on campus. It's a a nice time to be around. Today I got a email from a student who took my Civil War class last semester and said she's going to be starting a job teaching high school in the fall at uh, South Central High School here in Pitt County, North Carolina, and asked if I could let her use the uh, secession simulation exercise that we did in class. She wanted to try it with her students. I was, of course, happy to do that. And I told her, while you're when you go to South Central, be sure to say hi to uh, uh, another uh, social studies teacher there who also was a student of mine here maybe eight or nine years ago in civil war history and the the graduating seniors had replied, "Oh, I know her. I went to South Central myself, and I know her she's awesome so it means that I've now taught students who in turn have taught high school students who then came to ECU, and I taught the students student who now goes back to the same school to become a teacher herself. This kind of closing of the loop is, is extraordinarily gratifying. This is why we teach, uh, to, to know that some people understand and appreciate and enjoy and see the benefit of what we do and want to do it themselves. It's a, uh, it really does make it all worthwhile. Yesterday was officially Teacher Appreciation Day. My wife, who also teaches, got cookies. Uh, but this is is the the best form of appreciation, and really made things worthwhile. Uh, well, before we dive into the show, of course, uh, current events must be attended to, uh, starting with uh, the pit. Greenville Soccer Association, Adult Soccer News. My team at Monstars tied one-to-one with Nation. Uh, It's a year of parity this this spring in the local Adult Soccer Rec League. A lot of teams have similar records. We've got five points, three other teams tied with us. And uh, uh, there we are uh, fighting it out for first place with these other teams the uh, the best thing about the game this week was the officiating and that's something you'll rarely hear players or coaches say but the other team scored what seemed to be a goal uh, the attackers had a player come back from an offside position into an onside position and then stand in a place that interfered with the goalkeeper's line of sight for the shot that went in but didn't touch the ball and the referee went to talk to the linesman and consult before making the call to make sure they'd both seen the same thing and then properly called the player offside uh, and thus negated the goal. It was it was a clinic of officiating. And if it had taken away our goal, I would be furious, but they called it right. In other current events, uh, here I hesitate to, as to what to say, but uh, if you're listening live or in, in almost real time here in May of 2017, you know that the Civil War world has been buzzing the past week over comments made by the chief executive of the United States uh, who said, uh, and, and I quote this language specifically to get it exactly right, uh, he said, and he's referring now to Andrew Jackson, there's no reason for this. People don't realize, you know, the Civil War, you think about it, why? Uh, The interviewer says, that's right, says yeah, and then he continues, people don't ask that question, but why was there the Civil War? Why could that one not have been worked out? Now, I know uh, among the broad array of Civil War talk radio listeners, people have a wide range of political opinions, I have mine, you have yours, we don't all necessarily agree on everything, wouldn't expect to, and I'm, I'm not here to share political opinions, but because this is about the Civil War, I did give this quote, uh, a lot of serious thought after skipping over the the, the easy shots at uh, how words come out in a transcript. If you had a transcript of this show, I'm sure I'm not speaking in complete full sentences, so that that's a cheap shot. Uh, and skipping over even the obvious fact that when the statement is made, uh, people don't ask that question, but why was there the Civil War? Well, all of you listening to the show have asked that question, and I'm sure many times in your reading. I'm Looking around me, I see an office entirely full of books, many of which address that question. Uh, of, of course many people ask that question. But what I think the quote is saying is not that no one asks that question. Rather, certain people don't ask that question. Those of you, those of us here tonight, talking, listening to Civil War talk radio, we ask that question. It's something that we're interested in. It concerns us. But if you start with the premise that has been uh, established for good or ill, that that expertise is no guarantee of being correct, uh, and, and that has clearly been uh, established uh, by now, with the um, uh, uh, w- with some of the, the dialogue that we've heard, that uh, uh, the generals don't know anything, the uh, uh, the climate scientists don't know anything, uh, intelligence professionals don't know anything, uh, university professors certainly do not. If you start with that premise, then the statement. That was made this week is actually uh, entirely correct. Among people who don't uh, think about the Civil War, who aren't reading about it every week or talking about it, who aren't listening to Civil War talk radio or uh, teaching Civil War in high school or going to battlefields, among that population, no, they they don't ask uh, the question, why was there the Civil War? It doesn't it's not part of what they're doing. It's a tautology, really. Among those who don't think about the Civil War, they don't think about the Civil War. So uh, that that's uh, certainly correct, and there are a lot of people in that category. The challenge to me is to go to the next step. What about the people in that category? Uh, what, what do we do with them? Uh, ideally, the next sentence in the interview would have been, so if you haven't thought about it, go get a book by James McPherson uh, or Harold Holzer or, or just any of the hundreds of historians who've written about the outbreak of the Civil War and, and see what you think and, and, and develop your opinion. Unfortunately, uh, that was not the next sentence in the interview. Uh, there was not a suggestion everyone should read more about it and everyone should listen to Civil War talk radio and listen to the authors. uh And that that really is where where the problem lies. I see this in my classroom. If students want, if students have an opinion about why secession occurred and they have read something about it and they've they've read the assigned work or even the recommended work or they've brought their own knowledge uh, from prior reading and make a case for their view on why the Civil War occurred, even if it doesn't agree with mine, I certainly don't require students to agree with me Uh, but I do require them to do research. I do require them to base their opinion on historical uh, grounding. They They have to be able to cite their sources, not just offer their opinions. And if they do that, then they're fine. So ideally, those who haven't thought about, who have never asked the question, why was there a civil war, will think about it now. Maybe do some research, uh, check their sources, and then we'd all be better off. It's a fantasy world. I will move back to our real world, uh, here at least where we are all among friends who all agree, whatever our politics may be, that the Civil War is a fascinating era, that it's worth studying, uh, and that the guests on the show who have put in the time and effort to earn the label of authority or expert uh, are, are worth reading about and hearing about among those people are our fourth upcoming guests on uh, may 10th next wednesday drew gruber executive director of civil war trails inc will be with us on the 17th michael mccarthy author of confederate waterloo the battle of five forks will be here uh subtitle a controversy that brought down a general looks intriguing May 24th, it's time to hit the road with this hallowed ground, so I will not be uh, here on the show with you that night, but uh, hopefully you'll be with me. Come and join us on the bus. There's still plenty of time uh, to do that. On the 31st, Dave Powell will return to the show. He's been here before. He's got the third volume of his Chickamauga trilogy out, Barren Victory. Uh, The Retreat, the Confederate Pursuit, the Aftermath of the Battle. uh, I'm I'm reading that right now since uh, I got a little bit ahead in the reading, and it's really good. So I'm looking forward to that. On June 7th, Kevin McCarthy joins us for a musical program, The Better Angels of Our Nature Composition. And then on the 14th of June, last live show of the year, of the academic year, Tim Smith returns, another old friend of the show, with Grant Invades, Tennessee, the 1862 battles for Forts Henry and Donelson. So lots going on. Uh, join us for those. You can always find out about them from impedimentsofwar.org, our webpage. You can go to the Impediments of War bookstore and find out there how to click on the uh, the the book images and to go into Amazon, buy the books you hear about on the show, and they will add a little bit to the coffers of the Impediments of War website, run by Mark Gaffney, who keeps everything up to date and well keeps us all well informed. You can also donate, of course, to Civil War Talk Radio. Always welcome, always much appreciated. You know how that works, and you know it's not tax deductible. The Congress of Civil War Roundtables is something I've been announcing because it seems like a good idea uh, on, in September of 2017, September 16th, 2017 specifically. If you're downloading this during the summer of 2017, it's not too late to sign up for the uh, Civil War Roundtable Congress hosted by the Bull Run Civil War Roundtable, the Brunswick, North Carolina Civil War Roundtable, which has just an outrageous number of members, well over a thousand, Uh, the Puget Sound, Washington, and Scottsdale, Arizona Roundtables, all jointly organizing this. It's in Centerville, Virginia, just outside the Bull Run battlefield. Contact or uh, to find out more about it, go to the PSCWRT, Puget Sound Civil War Roundtable org slash Congress. Learn more about it. It's a, a worthwhile program to help all Civil War Roundtables, figure out what the others are doing and get together. One more plug. We'll take a short break after that. Uh, the topic of tonight's show, This Hallowed Ground, a annual tour, uh, multiple versions of the annual tour produced by the Stephen Ambrose Historical uh, Travel Company, Stephen Ambrose Historical Tours. You can find them at www.stephenambrosetours.com. It's all one word. And this year, it's May 20th to 28th, I'll be leading the tour. We'd love to have you join us uh, if you can you might consider the rest of the show a spoiler maybe you want to listen afterwards Uh, if you're thinking about it listen up see what we're going to do and then call Stephen Ambrose Tours and join us on the bus so we'll come back and talk a minute about historical tours what happens on this hallowed ground tour every year I'm Jerry Prokopovich and this is Civil War Talk Radio
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
2: Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or Blackberry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand.
3: The bottom line in business talk.
0: Stimulating talk. Gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to Prokopovich G at ecu. That's P R O K O P O W I C Z G at ecu. edu. Now back to Civil War Talk Radio.
1: And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you this evening with a audio version of This Hallowed Ground, the bus tour of Civil War Battlefield Sites, produced by Stephen Ambrose Historical Tours. Uh, This year, we're going from this year's 2017, May 20th, 2017 through the 28th. If you're listening anytime before that date, it's not too late to get a seat on the bus and join us. A few weeks ago, a listener sent a comment to the uh, Facebook page about the monologues i do at the beginning of the show saying at first they used to really annoy him then he kind of got used to them and i sent a smart alec reply saying well due to popular demand now we'll do a 40 minute monologue and 10 minutes of guest instead of the other way around uh i shouldn't have done that because here we are uh, our guest unable to be here tonight so you're getting the the 60 minute monologue And if you like the sound of my voice for 60 minutes, you will love this hallowed ground as I get to talk to you and you get to talk to me about the Civil War for a full week as we travel. The trip starts every year on a Saturday. Uh, It it evolves year to year. There's always slight adjustments, but in general, you can count on the the trip beginning on a Saturday near Dulles Airport outside of Washington, D.C. We meet at a hotel. One of the fun parts of the trip for me is getting from Greenville, North Carolina, up to Dulles Airport. One might expect that flying would be the fastest way. It certainly is. But the trip begins at Dulles. It ends at uh, in Richmond, and closer to Richmond International Airport. And rather than spend the last day of the tour going two hours north up to Dulles and then get my car and drive all two hours back to Richmond and then drive home. Discovered it's easier, rent a car, drive all the way up to Dulles where it starts, uh, return the car there and rent a different car from Richmond and go home. But the advantage that gives us, I get to drive through the state of Virginia and each time I do it, make another side trip to another place I haven't seen. One of the great things about civil war touring is you will not run out of places to see. Uh, one year, Went off to Brandy Station and uh, took a look at that. Another year was uh, the Weldon Railroad uh, site. uh, uh, I didn't know. I'm sorry, not Weldon. Bristow Station was was the next year. Uh, Battle of Bristow Station, not one that a lot is known about. You can listen to the interview I did with Mike Palmer a few years ago. He's written about that in the book Lee Moves North. Uh, Another year... Right outside of, of where we stay up at Dulles is the is the scene of uh, Chantilly, a uh, very small, little pocket-sized battlefield park right next to a busy thoroughfare, but shielded by trees. Remarkable how you can, can preserve just a bit of Civil War uh, landscape, even in an urban area. So there's always something to see on the way up, and uh, that, that's part of the fun. The, visit, the tour begins with dinner Saturday night at the hotel. Guests and I get to meet one another and try to set the tone for the week. This is a challenge because you know, uh, it, as you read about the Civil War, you certainly have had conversations with other people who likewise are interested but may have a different take on things. They may know very little, just what they remember from high school or uh local folklore. They may know a lot, but they may not interpret uh, the Civil War. As Robert Penn Warren, uh, I believe it was, uh, he was the one who said that the Civil War is Americans only felt history, the only history you can still get people really upset and angry about. I'm not sure that's entirely true anymore, but certainly uh, there's a, there's a little bit of a delicate Moment when the tour begins, making sure, uh, and it's my job as a historian to get us all on the same historical page. Uh, this is not a—it's uh, not a, an ancestor veneration tour. Uh, although, if we can find sites relative to your guests' ancestors, we'll certainly try to include them and see them. It's not a lost cause tour by any remote stretch. Uh, it's not a historical revisionist tour. It is an attempt to see the sites of the war uh, as, as they are today and understand how they were then uh, with the influence of the best of modern scholarship. So that's the tone we try to set on the first night. The, it's a serious look at a serious event it will be entertaining and interesting and inspiring and sometimes very moving, but uh, one, one hopes uh, that, that everybody's willing to listen to others' opinions and keep their own minds open, and that's really the tone uh, of that first dinner, and hopefully uh, in the past it's, it's worked and hopefully will again this year and next year, and then we get going uh, the next day, Sunday of the tour we start out appropriately at manassas site of the first major battle of the war it is a a great battlefield to begin with it's interesting because a lot of people it turns out have never been to a civil war battlefield not everyone who goes on a tour like this is a uh, an aficionado you get a wide mix of people who know a great deal maybe they had an ancestor and know that person's regiment in detail maybe they just uh, an enthusiast, and then you get some who uh, just decided to go on the tour. One year we had three couples who said, well, every year, three of us, six of us go somewhere, and this year this is what we picked, and none of them had any deep Civil War prior knowledge at all. So it was a fascinating mix of people on the bus uh, with all levels of knowledge. So if you've never seen a Civil War battlefield, you're not sure what to expect. Some people think it's the size of a football field. Uh, Others imagine it being much, much, much larger. Well, Manassas is a good one to start with because it's bigger than a football field. But from the visitor center, you can see the site of the Henry House Hill Plateau and, and the lands around it. You can see most of the... Important battlefield sites. Of course, there are others you can't see from there, the Stone Bridge and and other places. But it's the closest to a place where you can see the whole thing in one view uh, of of most of the major battles. So we start out there. People get their first experience uh, as to what a battlefield looks like in terms of taking folks around the battlefield. We get we walk a little bit of the. Henry House Plateau, not a mile, less than that, I think, for those who are up for it. Others stay in the visitor center where it's cooler and nicer. Sometimes it rains. Last year it did rain. Uh, we worked that to our advantage. We went and had lunch under a picnic shelter and in, on part of the second Manassas battlefield connected to the original park. It is, uh, one has to uh, deal with things as they, uh, as they come. And there's always surprises. The very first time I did this uh, tour, a Civil War talk radio listener said, no, oh, I live in the area, do you mind if I meet you when your bus arrives? I said, sure, be glad to meet a listener. And any listener who wants to uh, join up and say hello at any of the stops on the tour this year, any year, please do let me know, we'll, we'll arrange to connect. Uh, what he didn't say was that he was going to show up in full uh, United States Army reenactment uh, gear, and that really uh, set, set things off to a great start. Uh, the The guests thought, wow, this, this Terry guy really has people working for him. Uh, I was as surprised as anyone, but, but extremely pleased, and, and it really did help get the tour off to a good start to have someone do a little presentation on what the Union soldiers wore. Uh, before we even got going. So that's our first day. Uh, In the morning, we look at the first Battle of Manassas, eat lunch, in the afternoon, talk about the second Battle of Manassas. It gets a little out of chronology, but while we're there, that's the thing to do. We get back on the bus, drive around the battlefield, see some of the places like the Stone Bridge. It's one of those moments there and and if you've been to battlefields, you've had them yourselves at different places. Where until you were actually there, you don't quite see what the fuss was about. When you get to the the, the bridge and go down and see what Bull Run actually looks like in terms of the the steep banks and the stony uh, sides of of the, the water course, you realize that's why this was militarily significant. You can't you could way across as an individual, but you could not get a wagon or an artillery piece anywhere across this very small, shallow waterway because uh, of the way it's configured, and maps don't quite convey that uh, the way the first person visit absolutely does. So that's our first day. The next day, we, uh, we stay again at the same hotel at, at near the, uh, near the airport. It's not an airport hotel, but it's nearby. Second day, we're off to Harper's Ferry, and I won't talk about that because you can go back and listen a few weeks ago to the interview with Dennis Fry, the uh, uh, National Park Service ranger there. It is a magnificent place, uh, absolutely one of my favorite stops. I'll just say I enjoyed talking with with Dennis uh, and, and asked him several times about how he and the rangers that he's responsible for deal with the the controversy that surrounds a figure like John Brown, who still elicits strong feelings, freedom fighter, terrorist, something in between, both, neither, uh, who was John Brown? And uh, Dennis's response uh, very consistently was he has, tells his Rangers, just give the facts. I I guess it, I have the luxury of being able to go in a slightly different direction, uh, on a tour like this with a group of people for a whole week, uh, we can look not just at the raw facts, but talk about interpretation, talk about what does this mean? Uh, how should people think of John Brown? Uh, should is not the right word, uh, uh implying that there's one right way. Maybe how should people not think of John Brown? There are many wrong ways to look at history. Uh, and it's a chance to engage, to hear other people's opinions, to grow one's own opinion out of the the, uh, the exchange of views. That's, that's one of the best things about a tour like this, is being able to talk about these things with other interested and well-informed people. From Harper's Ferry, we're off to Antietam in the afternoon. It seems like an impossibly crowded day, uh, but it works. Uh, Antietam is not that far. We drive up not too distant different from the route that A.P. Hill's division took as it rushed from Harpers Ferry to Sharpsburg to participate in the battle in September 1862 and uh, we see again the terrain they went through arrive crossing the Potomac and going through the town and onto the battlefield much as Hill's troops did that day and that is just a, a marvelous battlefield to see it was the first one I ever visited when I was 10 years old uh, an experience I, that, that really put me on the career path I'm on today. It's still uh, just a, a, a very impressive place to visit. Lots to see, the sunken road, the tower, the observation tower that gives you the view of the battlefield. The visitor center itself has a great panoramic view. Somewhat like First Manassas, it does it's fairly compact. You can see much of everything. You can walk down to uh, Burnside's Bridge. Last time we were there, it was being uh, maintained. Uh, there it was there was some kind of work going on to prevent people from actually going on it that day. But that's another thing you see every year. There's something different at these sites. There's more work being done by the Park Service, more land being acquired. Uh, it's always interesting. It. it, it it does change. People think, uh, you know, history. How how does it change? Well, uh, the battlefields certainly change because people, someone's actively working on them. So after a few hours there, we're back on the bus and off, across, the uh, mountains, across South Mountain, heading toward Chambersburg and then Gettysburg. And this is again tracing uh, the route of Lee's Army in 1863 now. Going over the mountains gives you some some sense of the topography of uh, Maryland and Pennsylvania that that shaped the campaign of 1863, and we get to uh, our hotel just west of uh, Route 15, outside the battlefield of Gettysburg. It's a very nice big hotel. Here we benefit from the casino fiasco of some years ago, Uh, as I'm sure many of you remember, There was an attempt to legalize gambling in Adams County, Pennsylvania and built a bunch of casinos because, you know, why would anyone ever visit central Pennsylvania? You know, what Gettysburg, who cares about that? We need gambling because there's no gambling anywhere else in the country uh, except for every, you know, Indian casino in Las Vegas and everywhere else uh, plus the state lotteries, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, in anticipation, some... Lots of hotels were built, and then the citizens of Adams County and the legislators of Pennsylvania came to their senses and did not disgrace the uh, national shrine that is Gettysburg with legalized gambling. So the hotels did not serve the clientele that they were built for. The result is there are some really inexpensive, not always very full, uh, and, and very comfortable large hotels available for groups like ours, or the Lincoln Forum every year in November. That's a group, if you don't know about, Google Lincoln Forum, join it, go to their November meeting. It's, it sells out quickly, so uh, you, you want to hurry, but uh, that's what we do. We stay at the Presidential Inn, something like that is the name of it, outside of Gettysburg, and from there it's a three-minute bus ride to the battlefield. So a chance to uh, see things. It's also very near the East Cavalry Field, one of the places most guests, most visitors don't see. But when we ride in on the bus, instead of taking the main route, uh, I've, we'll direct our driver to take a side route, take us through the site where Custer and his Michigan Brigade fought Jeb Stewart's troops uh, the second and third days of the Battle of Gettysburg. And there you, it's it's just yet another ass of the battle that not everyone gets to see. Well, I'll tell you a little more about our trip through this hallowed ground in just a moment. First, we'll take a short break. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio.
0: Streaming live that's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio.
1: And Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Tonight, leading an audio version of This Hallowed Ground, the tour of Civil War battlefields organized by Stephen Ambrose Historical Tours every year this year 2017 from may 20 through 28th if you're interested contact the uh, Stephen ambrose historical tours company and join us on the tour we've gone through the first day at manassas the second day at harper's ferry in antietam the third day uh tuesday we're at gettysburg one of the distinguishing things about uh, this tour any any tour i'm sure uh, uh, thoughtfully organized, is to see not just the main things that everybody who goes to Gettysburg is likely to see, but uh, to try to find some of the more interesting sidelights. Uh, one of those, for example, is the Shriver House Museum. Uh, the Shriver House is uh, a house that was, of course, there at the time of the battle. It's uh, located on Baltimore Street between the, the town and Cemetery Hill, and the proprietors of this house offer tours that where, as a public historian, I'm fascinated by the job they do interpreting the civilian experience during the battle. Uh, Tilly Pierce, a teenage girl, was uh, helped the Shrivers with their children, helped uh, babysit and care for them during the battle. They spent some of the time at the house. Other times they went to a relative who had a farm outside uh, safe from harm near an obscure place called Little Round Top. What bad thing could happen there? And uh, uh, they they spent some of the time at that farm to to see the house and to hear the, uh, the guide's description of the Confederate sharpshooters in the attic uh, where the bullet holes can still be seen, uh, to, to see how the thousands of people who weren't fighting but were in town... Uh, it's, it's really an important part of the story that's often overlooked everybody knows uh, the story of, of uh, uh, the the one uh, casualty um, at Gettysburg that there's one young woman, civilian uh, uh, who was in the wrong place at the wrong time struck by a stray bullet uh, while she was uh, uh, baking bread apparently and uh, you go to the Shriver house and then read uh, the diary of uh, the story of, of, of Tilly Pierce who who wrote down her recollection some years later uh, she gives a somewhat different take on the the uh, story but it's, it's all it, it's part of what makes the tour uh, for me a, certainly a highlight we also engage a licensed battlefield guide to take us onto the battlefield, in fact we're required to uh, if I were to continue talking about the battle as our bus goes through the battlefield i would be committing some sort of local crime as a non-licensed battlefield guide so i just shut up and let our guide hired guide take us but they know the minutiae of the battlefield in a way that i certainly don't and they uh are very good at what they do and always enjoy learning from them i'm especially looking forward this year to our visit to little round top i mentioned this a few weeks ago the uh Burning of underbrush on Little Round Top is now complete. The stories I've heard from people who've been there are that the whole west face of Little Round Top is now essentially bare, uh, looking the way it did in 1863. It becomes very clear why the Confederates did not mount a direct assault up the western face, why uh, Hood's division tried to go around the flank instead. So the more... The battlefield is returned to its 1863 appearance, the more we can learn. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what that will be like. So we spend uh, Tuesday uh, looking at the first two days of the battle, the civilian experience. We go to the Visitor Center, see the Cyclorama show. If you haven't seen that, do not miss it. It's extraordinarily good. That evening we have dinner at the uh, the inn at Her Ridge, Uh, a place that shows up as her tavern on the maps of Gettysburg. It was there at the time. So even the meals, we try to tie in historically to the uh, scenes of the battle. And the food is really good, too. So all works out well. On Wednesday, we stay in Gettysburg for another day. The, The battlefield certainly deserves it. In the morning, see a film. Every morning, there's a brief time when I talk to folks after breakfast Uh, but uh, the highlight is not my words. It's the sites themselves. On Wednesday, we take the bus to Seminary Ridge. Those who choose to debark at that point, and we walk across the route of Pickett's Charge. Those who are wiser stay on the bus, and the driver takes them around to Cemetery Ridge, where we meet them again. But if you've never done it, walking Pickett's Charge is, I will say, the only way to fully understand uh, how that experience worked out, to to see how the lines of sight change as you go across that field, which is not a pool table. It's not flat. There are dips and undulations. There are obstacles. So that's always uh, an experience worth having. We visit the National Cemetery Later during the day, uh, we have the afternoon to go throughout the town, Gettysburg as one wishes, lunches on your own, many interesting restaurants, and we get tickets to visit the Wills House where Abraham Lincoln stayed the night before giving the Gettysburg Address where he put the finishing touches on that document, and uh, finally that evening have dinner at the Dobbin House, another 1863-era establishment so that we stay in. In the mode throughout the entire day. By Thursday uh, folks uh, are are, tired is not the word, Uh, sated is not the word, just ready for a brief moment to recharge and we get that as we take our longest bus ride of the whole tour uh, from Gettysburg down to Fredericksburg. It's a couple hours, two to three hours and it gives everyone a chance on Thursday morning to recuperate Uh, to rest on the bus, talk with their new friends. We'll put a short video on. At some point, uh, the buses are comfortable and they have video screens. And when we get to Fredericksburg, the reward, besides having lunch at the Chatham House, which is the headquarters for the Park Service in that area, it was a mansion, a a plantation house, and then a hospital during the battle. Clara Barton was active there. Uh, we, we have lunch there in a nice grove overlooking the Rappahannock River in town of Fredericksburg. And in the past, and I hope I can arrange it this year, John Hennessy joins us. He's been on the show before to talk about uh, Civil War interpretation, another of the Park Service's uh, wonderful historians, and uh, always a pleasure to have him talk with our group From Fredericksburg, uh, we drive from from Chatham House, we go across the river into Fredericksburg, up Marie's Heights. It's a lot easier in a bus than it was in December 1862. Now we're a little out of chronology. Gettysburg, of course, is 1863. We dip back now to the battles of Fredericksburg and Chancellorsville, uh, late 62, early 63. Uh, Just really the only practical way to do it. And again, seeing, even though Fredericksburg has, the town has grown up over a bunch of the battlefield, and we're there in summer, not winter, when the foliage is different, you can still get a sense of how futile the attacks were uh, that were made by the Union Army. From there, off to Chancellorsville, and here we get a object lesson in urban sprawl. When you drive from Fredericksburg to Chancellorsville, this while we're following in some ways a route of uh, Lee's army going to confront Hooker in May of 1863 all you really see are the chain restaurants and stores and malls uh, we passed by uh, Salem Church site of uh, some fighting in 1863 but that, that building and the land where the fighting took place is completely surrounded now by modern development And it makes you really aware of how important the work is of groups like the Civil War Trust that are fighting to keep uh, some of this land protected so that it can be understood and interpreted. Chancellorsville is a much more spread out battlefield than these other ones, uh, as much as Gettysburg. And because it was the wilderness, because it was overgrown, you, you really can, from no point, can you get a panoramic view of what happened at Chancellorsville. But the Park Service does have an excellent and newly redesigned exhibit in their visitor center. And the visitor center is located steps away from where Stonewall Jackson received his fatal wound uh, on the night of the battle. And so you get a chance to see that and otherwise experience uh, the Battle of, of Chancellorsville as best one can. From there, we drive down to Richmond, uh, stay on the outskirts of Richmond, uh, dinner that night, Friday morning, we're back up again. We visit, this wasn't on the original schedule, but a few years ago, I looked at a Google map and said, you know, I think if I warmed up my arm, I could throw a baseball from my hotel room to the site of Yellow Tavern, where Jeb Stewart was uh, mortally wounded in 1864, and sure enough... Uh, Yellow Tavern is right next to where the hotel is. So, well, maybe it's a two-minute bus ride. So we, we stopped there briefly. It's a site in a residential neighborhood. They, another example of how sites can be preserved, even in the midst of development. Uh, we visit quickly Yellow Tavern and then head off to study the Battle of Petersburg. This is... Uh, a sprawling campaign. We drive past the sites of the overland campaign, uh, and we we take in selected areas. We go to the eastern half. If you've been to Petersburg, you know the Park Service has an eastern and a western uh, division of the sites where the fighting took place in 1864. We go to the eastern side where we see uh, the trenches, artillery emplacements and most importantly the crater everybody uh, listening I'm sure has heard of the crater it's worth seeing it's some people say well I thought it would be like way bigger like hundreds of feet across Uh, but others but once you see it and see the length of the tunnel it took to get it and the surviving remnants of the tunnel uh, and understand what happened there it it it's an incredibly moving uh, place to visit. That afternoon, we go to Pamplin Park. The, I'm sure it's the largest privately owned civil war park in the country. A piece of the the original Confederate battle lines is there. It's the site where the final breakthrough occurred in April 1865. And a wonderful museum, also a plantation house that served as a Confederate headquarters, and also recreated slave quarters to accompany the plantation house so that they can interpret the whole story of pre-Civil War life in uh, Virginia. Really a worthwhile site and, and one that I always enjoy visiting. On our last full day on Saturday, we have the long drive west out to Appomattox, Halfway out, we stop at Sailor's Creek. Uh, It's a state battlefield site, not a Park Service site, but beautifully maintained. And we learn about this obscure struggle on the road to Appomattox and finish the day uh, and and finish the morning at the Museum of the Confederacy, now called the American Civil War Museum, the Appomattox branch. It has wonderful artifacts. Uh, Then after lunch, we go to the Appomattox Courthouse itself, the Park Service site, the site of the surrender, the McLean House, and finally, uh, we're back on the bus, three hours, uh, no, hour and a half, two hour ride back to Richmond, our final dinner, uh, farewells, and Sunday we're done. It is a wonderful tour. Just talking about it with you this afternoon has been a real treat for me. I appreciate your indulgence in listening to it. Uh, If you're interested in joining this year's version of This Hallowed Ground, May 20th to 28th, 2017, contact Stephen Ambrose Historical Tours and uh, we will make room for you. There is still room to be had. Uh, It's just a, a a marvelous experience. As a final coda, and here, people who don't have the Civil War bug, if I tell them this, think I am crazy. What do I do when I drive home, rent a car at the Virginia, at the Richmond Airport, drive back to Greenville? On the way, I find more places I haven't seen yet. Last year, it was Five Forks. Another year, drove through the peninsula I went to see the USS Monitor. There's always something else to see on the way home. Uh, A week wasn't enough. Uh, No amount of time is ever enough to see all the fascinating sites connected with the Civil War. I hope you can join us some year for this hallowed ground, and I hope you can join us every week. And as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio.
0: Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.